now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Have you ever met a person who hasn't ever heard the story of Titanic? Unlikely. Even if you ask a 10-year-old, they'll tell you exactly what took down the gigantic ship. However, some survivors of the sinking legend would beg to differ. Here's one of their stories, and surprise, it has nothing to do with an iceberg. Throughout her career working at sea, Miss Violet Constance Jessup survived not one, but three shipwrecks, the Titanic included. She started out as a stewardess on board the Olympic, which crashed in 1911. Just seven months later, she survived the Titanic and then went on to serve as a nurse for the British Red Cross on the HMHS Britannic. This ship sank from an explosion, but Violet yet again came out of it and kept working at sea. This adventurous spirit finally settled down in Great Ashfield, England. Just like Margaret Brown, Violet was often jokingly called Miss Unsinkable. There's definitely truth to that. The unsinkable Molly Brown is one of the most popular and liked characters in the 1964 movie and earlier Broadway musical, based on the great ship's unlucky maiden voyage. But this woman wasn't just thought up by some Hollywood screenwriter, she was a real passenger. Margaret Brown was known even before the Titanic for being one of the first women in the US to run for office, eight years before women could even vote. She was in London when she found out that her grandson was sick, so she headed to New York immediately. Because this decision was so last-minute, very few people knew that she was on board the Titanic. Once the ship struck the iceberg, Mrs. Brown selflessly helped other passengers into the lifeboats until she was eventually talked into getting into one herself. After being rescued by the RMS Carpathia, she organized a committee with other first-class survivors and Carpathia passengers. The committee would raise money and provide counseling for the more destitute people that lived through the tragedy. Upon arriving in New York, she wouldn't leave the rescue ship until she made sure that every survivor received medical attention and found their families. Mrs. Brown was given a medal for her goodwill in helping the Titanic survivors. She was also later awarded the French Legion of Honor for her charitable work rebuilding France and helping soldiers. A truly extraordinary woman. The actress Dorothy Gibson, most famous for her role in the 1912 movie Saved from the Titanic, was actually one of the survivors of the catastrophe. She and her mother were coming back to the US on board the Titanic after vacationing in Europe. The two had been playing bridge with some friends when the ship struck the iceberg. They escaped together in the half-empty lifeboat number 7, but nearly sank again when one of the other survivors noticed a hole in the boat. Luckily, they were able to plug it up with some clothes. Not long after Gibson arrived in New York aboard the Carpathia, 
her agent convinced her to star in a movie about the Titanic sinking. She wrote the script herself and wore the same clothes in the movie that she did on the night of the disaster. The film came out just a month after the tragedy. Dorothy later gave up her acting career to work in the Metropolitan Opera. She spent her last years in Paris. What a life! Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation. Because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Vodkanak Bayerate was 25 years old in the spring of 1912. He described what happened on his journey to America on the most famous ship in the world in his memoirs. Vodkanak caught the legendary Orient Express from Istanbul to Lahav, and from there, he made it to Southampton. He learned that the nearest ship departing for the New World was the Titanic, which everyone was talking about. He was pretty excited about the journey and arrived at the port neatly shaven and smartly dressed, with a trendy cap and massive glasses that were popular in the US at that time. The writer met three men with whom he shared cabin 804. They were two Englishmen and a French guy from Alsace named Morin. Because Morin and Vodkanak were around the same age and Vodkanak could speak excellent French, they quickly became friends. They went to bed rather late on April 14th, just like on the other nights. Shortly after midnight, something that sounded like a big explosion woke everyone up. Bam! The nightlights went out and the Englishmen were jolted from their bunks by a strong push. One of them injured his head, and another one his arm. The two new friends helped them up, took a few belongings with them, and left the cabin. Knock noticed the sailors were getting the lifeboats out, and commanded they were only for women and kids. Some men tried to sneak in anyway, but gunshots were fired off to prevent them from doing so. Vodkanak and Moran looked at each other, understanding they had two choices. Stay on the sinking ship and say goodbye to their futures, or at least try to save themselves by jumping in the water. Both wanted to live, and both knew they could swim well, so the choice was obvious. Moran managed to get them two life vests. Vodkanak put his passport and money in a little bag and tied it around his neck. So Vodkanak and Morin jumped and got instantly separated by a sudden wave. It only made things worse, because braving this catastrophe with a friend was one thing, but doing it alone was way scarier. The water in the North Atlantic that night was just below freezing at a scary 28 degrees Fahrenheit. The young rider felt his arms and legs go numb, and he was understandably getting weaker and weaker every second. He lost the life vest, and now his only hope for survival was a lifeboat. He was about to faint, and it wasn't getting any warmer in the water. Just then, he bumped into something. It was a lifeboat. But if you're hoping for a happy end at this point, I'll have to disappoint you. The boat was so overcrowded, they pushed the young man with a paddle when he tried to stick to the boat. He begged for help, 
but they refused to show mercy. Their logic was simple. One extra man in that boat could have made it sink, and no one in it would have had a chance for survival. He had to let go of the boat, and what happened after is a miracle. Vodkanak woke up alive on board another ship. That ship was the Carpathia, and it was en route to New York with lucky survivors on board. The writer had a terrible headache and he saw double, but what mattered most is that he escaped from the freezing ocean. How did he do it? He couldn't remember anything. The next evening, the ship made it to New York. Without his passport and money, which he must have lost at some point during the rescue, Vodkanak was taken to the hospital. Twelve days later, a woman came into the room and all she could say through tears was, Oh, my dear boy! She turned out to be the person who saved Vodkanak. Mrs. Astor was in her 50s, and she told the young man the lifeboat he tried to get into didn't actually leave without him. Mrs. Astor told the sailors that the young man was her son, and she wouldn't let them go without him since she'd already lost her husband on the Titanic. It turned out she kept Vodkanot's passport and money and invited him to visit her when he felt better. After he recovered, the writer was reunited with his family in Boston. Vodkanok lived a long and happy life and, as a great storyteller, he shared what happened to him many times. Interestingly, he's never mentioned an iceberg hitting the Titanic and always spoke about an explosion. If what he said was true, something must have caused that huge explosion. Professional tennis player Richard Norris Williams was on board the Titanic with his father. Given that the lifeboats, as many know, were reserved for women and children, these two guys were left to fend for themselves on a sinking ship. They did pretty well at first, but once the ship had sunk deep enough to leave the remaining passengers floating in the water, a huge smokestack suddenly collapsed and crashed down on the surface of the water. Perhaps it was purely coincidental, or maybe something more. But the resulting wave washed Richard toward collapsible lifeboat A, so he climbed in. Unfortunately, that lifeboat was full of freezing water that passengers had to stand in up to their knees. These survivors were later transferred to lifeboat number 14 but the damage of the cold water had already been done. Williams got frostbite on his legs, and once on board the Carpathia, the doctors recommended amputating both his lower limbs. But the tennis star would have none of it, so he exercised every day and his legs slowly recovered. He even continued his tennis career, became an Olympic gold medalist, and served in the army. He later became a successful investment banker and president of the Historical Society of Pennsylvania. Now, it's your turn. 